Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Who's your third quarterback behind May and Caleb Williams and why? Yeah, and this is a great – I went back and forth uh, on this because I think you can make a case for Ewers and uh, what he could develop into this year, especially with the supporting cast they have down there in Texas. Um, I went with J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. Love those dudes. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams over the course of seven years. For those of you that are interested, you can check out the video on youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, or if you check out any of our social media platforms, either at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, well, am I missing? TikTok, threads, too many if you ask me, but that's where we're at. We're at all those places you can see some of my helmets that, man, I, I went and talked to some flag football kids last week. They can barely even lift them. I, I think the helmets are probably a lot lighter now than they used to be. Love this podcast for a bunch of different reasons. Number one, I really think it's three podcasts in one. Because we talk about the top NFL draft prospects. We talk about the best college football games. And as the college football games start to happen, which is like a month from now, by the way, I'm doing Hawaii at Bandy, week zero on the radio for Westwood One, you start to bet on the games, which is really fun. Speaking of betting on the games, the other reason why I love the show is because my guy Emery Hunt has no life. And I mean that in all sincerity. As a compliment, I mean, this guy's killing it betting on CFL. To his knowledge, he hasn't taken a vacation in maybe a decade. I I don't know. His vacation is just watching these other sports leagues, CFL, XFL. He's the man. Check him out on social media, at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. And I'm also a huge fan of today's guest, Dane Brugler who is the draft guy for The Athletic. Check him out on social media, at DP Brugler. Um, You know, I feel like Northeast Ohio is basically Pennsylvania. So, Dane is a a fellow Pennsylvania guy like me. Dane, welcome back on the show, man. Really happy to have you. Well, it's funny because I always thought that Western PA is basically Northeast Ohio. So, you know, (laughs) it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, there's a lot of rich football history here, right? You know, whether you're talking about Canton or... The Pittsburgh area. So, yeah, I think that being born and raised here probably played a part in my my love for football and just studying the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places where they love football. I will say Northeast Ohio, Western PA, way, way up there. I mean, just the quarterbacks out of Western PA, it's just ridiculous 
when you go through the list. Uh, speaking of lists and speaking of quarterbacks, Dane, curious. We got into this a little bit with Mike Renner uh, in terms of the 2024 draft class. And Emery and I are going to start to really dive into it in August where we go by conference uh, or by position. I can't remember what we decided. I think by position, looking at some of the, the top 2024 prospects. Can you just, Dane, kind of give us an overview of the 2024 draft as you see it right now? Uh, well, yeah, and it's uh, obviously so much depends on the underclassmen. And in today's landscape of college football, everything's a little different now with NIL playing a factor. Some guys maybe are not locks. I'm talking about the underclassmen. They're not locks to go pro just because they'll have options, uh, whether it's transferring, whether it's making money at the college level. So that's, you kind of have to you know, preface the, the, the answer with, with that, just the, how college football is always changing, but I think it's shaping up to be a pretty strong group. And when you go position by position, that's where you could really see uh, some positions that are stronger than others and start with quarterback. Uh, you know, last year or two years ago, we talked all about, uh, you know, it's just not a great quarterback class. Can he pick it? You know, he's the top guy, but, you know, even he's not a top 10 player. Uh, only one quarterback drafted in the top 73 that year. Uh, so we were always talking about, okay, next year is better. And then even last year with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and these guys, we always talked about, hey, next year is going to be better. So I know people are tired of hearing about how next year's quarterback class is going to be better. And I'll tell you what, I don't think we have to say that. We, we won't need that phrase this year because of some of these quarterbacks we have coming through, starting at the top with Caleb Williams out of USC, Drake Bay, North Carolina. These two are leading the charge. Um, I, I for, for me, it's Caleb Williams at one. And then really, Drake May is 1B if Caleb Williams is 1A. But I there are some very smart people who I trust around the league who believe Drake May is the top quarterback. So it's a really interesting quarterback race at the top. And then even after that, I think there's a lot of uh, intriguing underclassmen talking about J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, talking about Quinn Ewers at Texas, uh, Riley Leonard at Duke. I, I think there's a lot of optimism about what he could be. And then the seniors, uh, you know, we talked about all, all these guys going back to school. Bo Nix out of Oregon. Uh, you know, I, I, you look at Jordan Travis, Florida State, uh, Michael Penix out of, out of Washington, had a big year last year, kind of reinvented himself as a draft prospect. So the quarterback, they usually drive the conversation, right? Uh, and, and this year is going to certainly, there's going to be a lot of things to talk about from the underclassmen to the guys at the top, to some of the seniors, to the guys in the mid to late rounds. So it's going to be a fun quarterback class. So, Dane, I'm glad you said that because Emery and I talk about that a lot, that it feels like every year they're talking about the quarterbacks for the next year. And certainly the picket year I got, and with how dominant Bryce Young and Stroud were that year, I guess my question is, what, what, what was wrong with Young and Stroud that they weren't thought of like Williams and May after what they had done in Alabama and Ohio State? Well, obviously with Bryce, it was just all about the size, right? You know, he was a complete outlier. And some teams were not going to bet on an outlier as a top five pick, as, you know, slapping him with that, you know, whatever title you want to come up with, generational or uh, franchise or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the way we prop up these quarterback prospects. Uh, but the height and the, just the size and him holding up durability-wise, that, that was obviously, you know, we – talked about that until we were all blue in the face. Um, and that's what maybe held him back from being 
put on that pedestal. Uh, you know, with CJ, I, I think it was uh, the, the mobility aspect. You know, can he be a creator? You think about today's NFL and how important that is. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Caleb Williams. You look at Drake May and the way these guys move, and it's just a little bit different. So, uh, you know, who knows? Five years from now, when we look back, we might think, oh, wow, this is crazy. CJ Stroud is clearly uh, the better quarterback uh, in the NFL than Drake May or Caleb Williams. You know, who knows how that will all play out. But I think it's easy to look at Caleb and Drake and say, okay, yeah, I, I see it. I mean, I, you look at Drake May and say, okay, yeah, I, I can see some Justin Herbert here. Or you watch, uh, you know, uh, with, with Caleb Williams and say, okay, I, you know, I, I, the Patrick Mahomes comparisons get overused. But, yeah, I can see it because of the, how creative he is, the way he changes his arm angles, just the way he turns something uh, out of nothing. And sometimes to his own detriment, he, he relies on that a little too much at times. But it's going to be a lot of fun watching him this year to see what he can do for an encore after what we saw last year at USC. Emery, have you had a chance to check out to really study Caleb Williams and Drake May yet? Yeah, it's funny. History tells us a lot, man, because we heard the same things about the quarterback class of 2017 that had Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and an intriguing Deshaun Kaiser in it. It was all next year's class is going to be great. Because you have Rosen and Mayfield and uh, Josh Allen. Darnold. Darnold, when Lamar Jackson ended up being the best one out the bunch, got an MVP. And then we heard the same things going into this year. It's it's always interesting to see which class isn't the best class. But I digress. When you think about these two dudes, though, and you look at how they played, Caleb Williams' tape just doesn't make sense in terms of, you know, what he was able to do. Uh, from a dynamic standpoint, you're watching him. Even if you go back and watch him at Oklahoma, you're like, there's no way this, he's going to make it out of this. It is almost like watching a, one of these old, you know, 80s cartoons or, you know, sitcoms from the 50s, like Batman and Robin. You're like, man, there's no way he's going to get out this jam. And he does. I mean, he sent Spencer Rattler packing from Oklahoma. And then you go and look at him at USC. You And not just the throws. The throws are just phenomenal. But it's his body type doesn't look like it's supposed to be athletic. It's just like Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's no way he's going to scramble for 40 yards down the field. And he does. The run he had against, um, I want to say it was Utah. It's like, damn, this dude just really took off like that and really accelerated. It's just impressive, the collection of uh, skills that he has uh, at the position. And May is someone, you know, got better, then kind of tailed off. Uh, toward the back end of the season as teams, you know, put together more of a profile on them. So it's going to be fascinating to watch him build off, you know, last year, because again, it was his first year of starting and we don't want to be, we don't want to rush to push these guys, uh, you know, to the top because it's kind of, it does him a detriment. But, but I want to ask Dane, what you talked about earlier, you brought up a great point about guys not leaving early and having options. For you, which what point at what point does or does it become a factor? Age, like I feel like we're getting back to the old school where guys are coming into the NFL at that position, you know, at 24, 25 years old. Yeah, no, and that's a, something that we'll be talking. We've always talked about age, but even more so now when you look at uh, these seniors and of my top. Like 12 or 13 senior quarterbacks uh, in this class, 11 of the 12 are at least fifth year seniors. Some of them are six year seniors. 
Uh, you know, Jordan Travis from Florida State is a six-year senior. Michael Penix, uh, six-year senior. Joe Milton from Tennessee, six-year senior. So these guys are going to be 24 years old uh, before when they get to training camp. And that's something that some teams are going to look at and say, uh, you know, that, that, that matters for us. You know, age factors in when we talk about investing in the position, talk about the uh, especially early round picks. Age is something that we really look at. And there are certain teams around the league that that that's a, that they will eliminate guys off the board because of the age. Other teams, they don't care as much. And, and to be honest, if we're talking about a mid-round pick, uh, a day three pick who we're drafting to be our backup, maybe a spot starter, well, then age doesn't matter as much. But if we're drafting someone to be our starter, someone that we think is going to be the, the face of the franchise the next 10 years, uh, all of a sudden age that starts to matter a little bit. And I, I do think we can overrate age at times because not every 21 year old is the same in terms of their mental development, in terms of their journey, what they've seen, you know, you kind of mentioned like Drake may last year was his first as a starter. Uh, that's different than uh, maybe a Bo Nix who is, this is his uh, you know fifth year uh, in college. He's seen a lot. Um, you know, so every journey is a little bit different and how we factor that in with age and how that compares to other players it's a really interesting dynamic, especially a quarterback. So uh, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation that we probably don't have enough time right now to, to fully delve into because there are so many layers to it and how every team responds to age and what that means for their draft board. You know, just to follow up, because, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how if we go back and look at just how shocking it was to see Brandon Wheaton go in round one. Do you think of Brandon Wheaton goes in round one, you know, nowadays? Even if he, let's say, if we graded him as a first round talent, do you think 28 really would matter as much now? You know, I know everybody say, oh, quarterbacks are playing until they're 40, but not every 40 year old quarterback is good, right? right. Do you feel like a, a Whedon still would go in round one if he was, you know, perceived to be a top guy? Well, definitely not to the Browns. That, the Browns are one of the teams where age factors in pretty heavily with their, uh, especially with their top third, uh, three round picks. Uh, but you know, I think it, it really is team by team. I think most, most teams will look at age and, and, and that's an important factor for them. And I think you look at the Browns at the time when they made that pick, they just, they were quarterback desperate and said, you know what, we feel like we're drafting an adult for the room who can come in and we don't have, there's no mystery here. He's an older guy. We know, uh, off the field, on the field, who he is. And, you know, we, we feel comfortable with that. And, you know, if, if the right older prospect came along, Maybe a team like that, you know, would, would think the same thing. Okay, Bo Nix this year, he turns 24 years old in February, and 24 is going to be, uh, you know, that that's an older quarterback. For some teams, that that won't be an option in the first round. But if Bo Nix, based on what he did last year, if he takes another step in his development uh, this year as a fifth-year senior, uh, he absolutely he could get in that first-round uh, conversation. And teams will look at that and say, okay, he's ready to go. You know, he's an older player. But you know what? He's faced adversity based on what happened at Auburn, what happened at Oregon. So, you know, I, I think it's something that it's a case-by-case basis. And if the right guy comes along uh, with that, you know, we know what we're getting type of vibe, I, I think a team could uh, could look at that and say, you know, he, he's worth it here. I actually have another question on that momentarily, Dean, uh, that I think is interesting. But first, I want to make sure everybody knows to get in the next best ball draft. With me and Joe Dolan from the Fantasy Feast, go to westshorehome.com slash Ross. Get that awesome free estimate. Or just get a loved one in your life a story from myfrontpagestory.com. 
All right, Dane, you mentioned some of the guys that stayed in school. Like, I'll, I'll throw some names out there. Olu Fashanu from Penn State, the left tackle. Jared Verse, the DN from, all, uh, I was going to say Albany, from Florida State. Here's, here's my question. Like, maybe education is really important. They want to get their degree. Uh, maybe their girlfriend goes there. Maybe they love college. By the way, God bless them, right? Or maybe the NIL money's good enough that they're like, you know what? I'll wait. I'll wait for the NFL for a year. If I'm getting a couple hundred thousand dollars or five hundred, whatever it is, that's enough where I don't need the money right now, and I like college. All of that is fine. Can, with 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 those two guys in particular, is there any business logic? for them to return to school. Like if Fajanu was your OT1, as I read, yeah. and was pro- projected to be a top five pick, yeah. like, and now they got Drake May and Caleb Williams, like he's, he's really not going to go any higher. Like, is there any reason from a pure business standpoint, professional football standpoint, for these guys to stay or not really? I don't know how much he'll be making this year on NIL, but from a pure business standpoint, with uh, especially with Fosh New, I no, I, you know that, that it's that's strictly a personal decision, right? Um, with some of these guys, you know, I think there's injury plays a factor. You look at Blake Corm from Michigan, that late season in, knee injury. Um, you know, I, I think he was he was going to be a top seventy five pick somewhere on day two. You understand why he went back. Uh, the two guys that you did uh, highlight with with Verse and, and Fosh New that. Those were surprises. Uh, Foshnu was my number five overall player in the draft last December. Uh, came out with a top 50 that day, and then he decided he, that when he announced he was going back, so I had to redo it. But he was my number five overall player. I think he would have gone that high. Uh, I've been the first tackle drafted ahead, ahead of Paris Johnson, uh, who went, what, six overall? So, you know, from a pure business standpoint, no, I, I don't think that there are advantages to staying. But with that said... I think these are personal decisions. You know, each guy is a little bit different with their priorities, with uh, this unfinished business. They feel like they can get better. Uh, you know, it, it's whether education and, and family reasons play a part. So, you know, I, I I don't really fault any of these guys if they decide what's best for them is to go back. But as long as they have all the information, as long as they understand, hey, if you did go, you are leaving this on the table. And if you feel fine with that, betting on yourself by all means, you know, go with God and go go do your thing. That that that's that's the advice I would give them as long as they have all the information. But it was a surprise; those two guys went back this year. Uh, we talk about with Caleb Drake, Marvin Harrison Jr., and then Foshnu. We're talking about four blue chippers at, at the top of this draft, and then Verse is not far behind. If he would have come out last year, he would have been a top fifteen pick. This, as long as he you know stays healthy and it looks like the same guy we saw last year. Will be a top fifteen pick this year. So he was you know, probably so happy just to get all that free gear at Florida State <laughs> compared to what they gave him at all. Right, right. <laughs> he was like, big difference. A big difference. He was like, yeah. "This is amazing. I'm staying." I, I, um, I got to ask, ask you, Dan. I, I see the Mount Union helmet behind you. I know you're a Mount Union guy. Yeah. I know Ruby is going to be phenomenal again this yeah. year. But I wanted to ask you about like it's it's a weird era of the small college. I would hate to be a small college coach because if I develop a dude that you overlook and this guy comes in, oh, Florida State comes in and like, oh, by the way, yeah, we'll take this fully developed, you know, yeah. superior edge rusher. How tough is it for you to really um, get a good handle on, okay, which small school guy is going to be a small school guy 
even though he's a fifth year senior and going to the draft, or is he going to try to take that chance to go to a, a FBS program to really elevate? Like, cause I'm, I'm talking about Ruby and like, man, he's so good, Yeah, but you know, it's hard to balance. Okay, do I leave and go into the NFL draft as a Mountain Union guy, or do I go to James Madison and leave there? Yeah, and I, I, I talked to Ruby last year. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Mountain Union wide receiver uh, Wayne Ruby, pretty good player, uh, and obviously Mountain Union's got a pretty good track record of, of turning out some receivers with Pierre Garcon and uh, Cecil Shorts, and so uh, Ruby seems like the next guy, I, borderline draftable, but a guy that's going to be in a camp have a good chance to. Uh, compete for a roster spot whenever he does go. Uh, but he decided to come back. And yeah, I know, I know talking to some of the Mount Union coaches, they were like, you know, maybe be a little more quiet about him, but you know, still we want you to prop him up. Like, you know, it's, it's a fine line. It's, it's tough. And I think a great example was, you know, Tucker Kraft last year, uh, South Dakota state, who was so good at tight end. I mean, he, after last season, he had Alabama. There were six-figure uh, contracts in front of him to go transfer to the SEC or to a, a bigger school. He decided, you know what? I, I these are the guys that I came up with. These this is the program that believed in me. This is uh, you know my my best friends are on this team. Uh, I know the NFL and the money that they're going to come. Um, and he decided to stay put. And he was a, what a third-round pick of the of the Packers. And you know I think he'll have a good NFL career. Uh, but then you can't blame other guys that uh, have an opportunity to go make money at a bigger school, bigger exposure. And honestly, you know, it's a chance to challenge themselves. Uh, you know, they, they have a chance to move up and say, and it's not just about the money. It's a chance to, hey, I can, uh, you know, go play against better competition and really show scouts that, hey, I am this good. But to your point, you do feel for the coaches that spend all this time developing and scouting and, and recruiting and finding these guys, bringing them along, help them realize their potential, only to see uh, other programs reap the rewards. So it, it is a tough dynamic uh, for some of these smaller schools. Uh, but, you know, from a scouting standpoint, it is kind of good to see these guys move on a little bit just to just to see them against better competition, see if they can maybe live up to it uh, against uh, better opponents. Uh, Dane, I got two more quick ones for you. Number one, Marvin Harrison is the best wide receiver prospect since. I mean, it's hard not to say Jamar Chase uh, just because Jamar was so good. Um, but okay, let's take Jamar Chase out of it. Um, man, uh, you have to go back a little ways. You'd really do. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if you have to go all the way back to AJ Green, Julio Jones, but maybe. I mean, that's that's how good Marvin Harrison is. It, it's it's really hard to talk about uh, Marvin Harrison without sounding hyperbolic, you know, like it's just, he is really that good. He, he is a big man with the movements of a small man, his dexterity and the way he can move is outstanding, but it, he also has the route running element where he understands pacing. He understands tempo, uh, the way he can sink in and out of his breaks. Um, and then at the catch point, he's Spider-Man. I mean, he, he uh, Andre Risen, he was Spider-Man, right? You know, going back uh, a few decades, this is the new Spider-Man. I mean, the way that he can go up and make plays, uh, regardless of coverage, regardless of the placement, it, it's something special. And so I, I want to see him maybe pack on some more weight, and he's listed at 205, maybe see get closer to 210, 215. Uh, but play strength's not a question. You, you see him match up one-on-one, and you're not worried about the play strength. Um, and, I, you know, watching his tape, this this summer, um, you know, watch him against Georgia, against Keely Ringo, who Ringo is just this phenomenal athlete. And seeing Marvin Harrison just 
put them in a blender, tie them in knots. Um, it, it's something just really special to see. So, uh, and, and that's part of why Keely Ringo fell to the fourth round because of Marvin Harrison. Uh, but he is a, I won't say he's a lock to be the first non-quarterback drafted, but he's as high of a favorite to be that guy as any non-quarterback we've seen the last few years. Well, I always think it's crazy, Emery, too, by the way, is he's a different player than his dad, which I always think is cool. Right. Like, very, they, they look different. They're right. physically built different. He's got some of the traits. Last thing, Dings, I know I'm going to get this from Emery in August. Who's your third quarterback? You got, we got about a, a little bit less than a minute. Who's your third quarterback behind May and Caleb Williams and why? Yeah, and this is a great – I went back and forth uh, on this because I think you can make a case for yours and uh, what he could develop into this year, especially with the supporting cast they have down there in Texas. Um, I went with J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, and this is a guy who is – he's big. He has – the athleticism is awesome. He has the arm. And there were times last year – we know that Michigan offense, they're going to rely on the run game to – that's going to be ground and pound. That's what's going to – the foundation of what they do. But there were times where J.J. McCarthy had to bail them out of trouble um, and and really uh, move the offense, and he did it. Uh, The intangibles are awesome, really smart kid. So I think there's a lot of things with J.J. McCarthy, who's just a third-year junior. He's still young, not even 21 years old yet. There's a lot of things about his tools that I'm going to bet on right now. And who knows? we'll see if he can actually live up to those with the on-field results. But if you ask me right now, I'm going to lean towards J.J. McCarthy as being that next guy because of all the tools that he possesses. Check him out on social media at DP Brugler. Does an unbelievable job for the athletic. Always check out Emery here on the College Draft Podcast as well as at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.